This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. All right, we've got some sponsors for the pod now. Wait, what? Every link you need for the things we talk about here is at artofdarkpod.com slash sponsors. First up, books. If you're into this podcast, Odds are you're probably a reader. We've got links to buy new books from bookshop.org and used books from alibris.com. And if you want to listen to your books, we recommend and use audible.com. It's great and the catalog is huge. All right. So if you're listening to this, you are online. Maybe you're very online. You probably have a website or are thinking of starting one. Maybe you want a website like artofdarkpod.com. We built that with WordPress, which is by far the most popular way to create websites. And the single best host for serious WordPress is WP Engine. I've personally used them for over a decade now, and I don't host my websites anywhere else. Go to artofdarkpod.com slash sponsors and click on the WP Engine link to learn more. Finally, the best way to support the show is at patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. Get the bonus After Dark content for every episode, access to the book club, and more. Thanks for supporting Art of Darkness. And I, I don't think that was too painful. I think no, we did a pretty good job good. there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounded good. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate it. We are back in the dark room. I'm Brad Kelly. This is Kevin Kautzman. Kevin, how you doing? Kevin's freshly shaven. He looks he looks amazing. Handsome, hey, bastard. y'all. Yeah. I'm shorn like a like a spring lamb. I like it. Now, next here. thing, <laughs> we just got to get it to come off the top. That's the next, oh, that's no, the no, no, yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, see. see? Oh, gracious. They all knows okay. what we're talking about. So we're back in the dark room and that means we're talking about a subject we've already talked about, and we bring in a we bring in a special guest to help us do that. Um, in this case, we have the great J.L. Mackey, author of Cowboy Church, mastermind behind the the, the Double Dealer magazine. Uh, J.L., thank you for joining us. Pleasure to have you. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, man. Sure, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. Um, real quick, so patreon.com slash artofdarkpod to uh, support the show. Today, we are going to, uh, as we always do for every episode, for our Patreon folks, we're going to have a after dark episode, 20 to 30 minutes, talking more cash. Uh, I got something juicy, but I'm not going to talk about it quite yet. Um, but before we get into this, I want to talk, you know, I want to talk to Mr. Mackey here. Uh, uh, tell us about... So first of all, people should read Cowboy Church. Great novella out there. Uh, 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 Southern Gothic. Um, uh, yeah, just wonderful. People should definitely check that out. Highly recommend. Um, I'm slightly biased, uh, <laughs> but but it should be. You should definitely check it out. Um, um, but I really want to know about because I'm fascinated by this. Tell me about Double Dealer. So Double Dealer was a lit magazine uh, published in New Orleans in the uh, around the turn of the century, I think the 20s. Yeah. And it didn't last very long for for whatever reason. There's not a lot of like material to read on it on its history itself. Um, and it published some some notable people for the time, Sherwood Anderson, Hemingway, Faulkner, people like that. And then it just kind of went defunct after I think two years. Okay. And I'm in a a group chat with a couple of people, one of whom is Chris Sandbatch, and he was like, you know, we should we should revive this. We should do something with it. That would be really fun. And we were like, yeah, that would be fun. And then we we just that's where the conversation ended for like mm -hmm. six to eight months. And then someone brought it up again. Was like, maybe we actually should do that though. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. And so we talked about it for. Our, you know, another three or four months, how that would work, you know, how we would make decisions and stuff, who's, 
who's going to be in charge of what, or we're going to trade responsibilities with every issue, et cetera, et cetera, fundraising, dealing with money, handling money, mm-hmm. uh, everything top to bottom. Cool. And then it eventually uh, came together and we have some kind of like loose um, structure that we're going with for now. It works reasonably well for us. Cool. Um, and then we had our first issue, first issue a couple months ago, which was digital only just because I wanted to, get some interest. I didn't think anyone would be willing to pay for a first issue and they're not really sure what the vibe is or what's in it, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then our second issue, which will be in uh, the end of September, uh, which will feature people we invited to write. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, and then we'll be paying, we'll be paying writers. And that yeah. was kind of one of our larger, um, like points, I guess, if you will, is we wanted to pay people because I don't know of any like indie publisher or magazine or whatever it's is paying people. I don't think Expat does. I don't think Moonshine and Magnolias does. I don't think um, Apocalypse Confidential does. So we thought that would make us stand out at least a little bit marginally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also just kind of wanted to change a pace from a lot of the stuff that gets published in the indie world, which frankly, I don't think is particularly good. Um, that's All just right. my opinion. Okay. Um, so I want to, <laughs> I wanted to be in a position to say, this is good. This is not uh, yeah, kind man. of, so yeah. I get that. Well, it's cool, man. Like I, I love, I love seeing people start something from scratch kind of, you know, uh, obviously that's what we've done on this show and we've made a lot of friends on the internet or we're also trying to do it, doing the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know we uh, talking we to my friends that. in the pewter, talking yeah. to my computer friends. Yeah, that's right. Hey man, sometimes you guys can make th- make something happen. So I'm yeah. excited about mm-hmm. this, and I love the idea of taking uh, an old magazine that lasted for a while that has a certain aura to it, has a certain kind of mystique and vibe to it, and kind of bringing that back. There's something really, there's something really cool about that. Like soon, and I was vaguely familiar with the Double Dealer. Um, I don't know if I ever even read it, but I'd seen covers um, and it just always kind of seemed like this cool thing. When I heard you guys were doing that, I was like, oh, that's sweet. What a good idea. So um, we tried we tried really hard to figure out who the original artist was. Mm -hmm. I think they were just an in-house artist. They Mm -hmm. never had a signature or like a maker's mark on any of the art. I couldn't find it anywhere for the live stream, unfortunately. Uh, and they're great too. That's kind of yeah. a shame that that person yeah. doesn't, you know, get the credit. Yeah, they're very cool. So yeah, we'll be we'll be looking out for that and definitely promoting the issue too when it comes out. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about Johnny Cash, and this can this can go wherever wherever we want. But you know, I wanted you on and was kind of thinking, well, what makes the most sense? And thought about Hemingway, and thought, you know, what would be cool? Let's talk. Let's talk Johnny Cash because I know, uh, I know you're a Johnny Cash fan. I think that's fair to say. Yes. I don't know if anybody isn't. Is there anybody who isn't sort of on some level? I mean, you know, there'll be somebody who's like, ah, overrated too much. Right, right, the the right. new stuff was a uh, gimmick. And yeah, yeah the, uh, the Beatles are overrated, man. Johnny Cash <laughs> is overrated, <laughs> right, man. Right. Man. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> but so one thing that's kind of interesting about Johnny Cash is he's sort of like, and I was sort of guilty of this for a while, for a lot of people, he's like the only country, the only musician that qualifies as country that they listen to, right? They don't know anything else about it. Oof. Oof size. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. But so who I want to ask you, like who? All right, let's just assume Johnny Cash is on the Mount Rushmore. Who are like a handful of others? Like let, imagine, you know, somebody who's into Cat Johnny Cash, but hasn't listened to anything else that might qualify as country. I know the the boundaries of these things are a little blurry, but like, who else would you put up there? That's a really good question. Um, and I think a lot of people, there's, speaking to your point, I think there's a lot of people for whom the only country artist or musician they like is Johnny Cash because he's kind of, he's obviously country, but he's also like, he speaks to the punk, punk and like emo kids in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. He's kind mm-hmm. of sad and mournful and introspective and all this kind of stuff. So I, there was something definitely uniquely about his his music that kind of you know sp- speaks to a broader mm-hmm. you know sentiment or like general kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond him on Mount Rushmore, 
uh, I could think of some some modern artists, but from his era, that would be hard to say because I don't know anyone listening to Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, um, Johnny Paycheck, like any any of those other people. Everyone listening to those people, they make a point to listen to country music. But right. I could I could give you some modern people, but even yeah, then, let, I wouldn't say it's on us, the same scale. Give us some modern people, yeah. Coulter Wall. Hmm. Uh, I would, yeah, to a degree, maybe, yeah. There's definitely a lot of, at least these days, there's a lot of crossover between like country and almost soft rock and Americana. So people yeah. like Jason Isbell. Mm-hmm. Lots of people listen to Jason Isbell that wouldn't otherwise listen to like, you know, rockabilly or or like country like that or even Americana. I guess most people would call it. Mm-hmm. I think he would definitely be up there for for modern ones. All right. All right. Yeah. Who else? Who who else is who else is up there? And it's what do we think about we, this new guy that just dropped just on say. the bird website? All <laughs> over Anthony, I, man. I mean, that went viral. I'm immediately suspicious when something just instantly rockets into consciousness. <laughs> uh, I can already CIA see the. I can already see he? the backlash. <laughs> No, I'm not. Uh, oh. I I I dug it. I you know I was yeah. I was like okay, this is interesting, right? But now it, you it, can already see people on Twitter uh, are saying this is some tiny desk shit. Yeah, like what <laughs> is poor, this? What, you know what I what I feel bad for is this poor guy's going to probably have his life torn apart here in the next uh, couple. Of hopefully, weeks. he's smart about it and he just get, he gets somebody picks him up and he goes on tour. That yeah. would be and yeah. hopefully he. Well, in any case, yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to see. It's interesting that it gained that kind of traction, right? I mean, it's very, uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of fascinating. It's fascinating to watch that happen over the course of literally like the last 48 hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I saw, I noticed just scrolling today, he just got a Twitter account like yesterday and mm-hmm. he's got like 200,000 followers or something. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, I want to hope that he's just, you because know, people are going viral left and right for the most yeah. R-worded stuff. And I yeah. just, I, I want to hope that he was just the one wholesome guy that that made it viral. It's, yeah, I, I hope that for him, I guess. Yeah. 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 I wish, wish him the best for sure. I listened, I listened back to some of his other stuff. This song that came out for folks who haven't listened to it, Richmond, North of Richmond. It, it's the clearly like the best recorded of any of his stuff. Like the, the most time and effort and good tech was used to actually record them. But like it's all of his other music is like that. Not in a bad way. Like it's all strong, super strong voice thematically, very kind of on the same page. Like, yeah, and guys, guys, pretty, pretty talented. Um, yeah. So it remains to be seen. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think about uh, I think thing. about mm-hmm. milkshake duck. Does everybody know the me- the milkshake duck meme? I don't think so. Yeah. So it's a cartoon. It's like a webcomic thing. And it's like a basically it's making a joke of like this milk, this duck that drinks milkshakes. And all of a sudden everybody loves milkshake duck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then like the next day, uh, the headline is turns out milkshake duck is racist. Everybody's ah, boo. <laughs> that has already begun and it's just like yeah, it's exactly. the, the discourse on the internet is just totally insane it's like something that seems pure comes out and then just two days yeah. go by and immediately just the the spit takes start coming from every single direction right yeah, right yeah right very right. interesting what are we what i know you've got some juicy stuff for yeah. the after dark brad for patreon patreon.com slash art of dark pod earlier this week we we dropped Kahlo. Five hours on Frida Kahlo. We dropped five hours plus on on Milton, John Milton. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing some love on Patreon. Numbers are steady. Love mm-hmm. to see it. What do you got for this After Dark, Brad? Yeah, we're going to talk about the time that Johnny Cash was robbed at gunpoint in Jamaica. Uh kind of a big deal in his life and it, it it's uh it's it's an in- very interesting story there's also ghosts associated with this story uh underground tunnels there's a couple of other interesting little tidbits but fundamentally we're going to be talking about the time johnny cash was robbed at gunpoint in jamaica patreon.com slash art of dark pod you're not going to want to miss it very exciting stuff so what do you got what do we what are we going to talk about in terms of cash today this is well fun. one thing is i want to see uh what jail's favorite johnny cash album is what's the best what's the best johnny cash or maybe even the best song or yeah mm. i i mean i i <laughs> the wheels are turning I don't, 
<laughs> I don't know that I really want to say um, one is better than the other. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I could and make an argument for one, but yeah. I like I like most of his stuff except for his concept albums. They're a little bit out there for me. Yeah. Um, Ring of Fire that. is probably my favorite song, but like I can um, Sunday Morning Coming Down is yeah. could also be number one or number two for Classic. me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting when he went into the concept albums. They're not, they don't, they might, they have individual songs on them that are good, but they don't. Well, see, the, the thing is, there was a big, he wasn't the only person doing this, this. There was a big thing in the 70s, like he got successful and then like he started making. Wasn't there some rock al- rock band that made a, um, uh, I swear to God, this is true. They made like a King Arthur on Ice spectacle as part of their concept album. Like people were doing ridiculous things <laughs> back then, <laughs> and Spinal Tap sort of. Yeah, I was gonna it. say, and uh, the legacy lives on, hewn yeah. into the living rock of Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so Johnny yeah. Cash kind of got pulled into that a little bit, mm. I think. Well, every yeah. I mean, Pepper blew everybody's minds, and that's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. And they're, they're like, wait, we can tell stories with these albums, right? 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 Yeah. Well, this is this is one thing that I think gets interesting because you know, and this is a tradition in all forms of music, but uh, certainly the case in, in country music um, is, you know, I, I when we pre- were preparing for that episode, our core episode um, on Johnny Cash, I pretty much went back and like listened to the his, the entire discography, like beginning to end and sort of a like, all right, now I'm listening to this one. Now I'm listening to this one. And um, gosh, you, you kind of as a writer, I'm kind of looking at some of these songs, not that he wrote every single one of them. It's like these, some of these are great short stories, you know, they're just great little encapsulated um, big iron, for instance, just a great little short story um, yeah. <laughs> put, put to music. And a lot of his songs are that way. And it got me thinking of like, is there, is there an influence, you know, do you, would you, do you think you have any influence from from music, from these sort of storytelling songs on your own writing process? I wouldn't, probably not overtly, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe subconsciously, because I spent so much time listening to not just country music, but the older country music, which I I claim is better largely because it, the, the, uh, the writing is a lot sharper mm-hmm. and it's usually focused on telling a story rather than conveying some type of like amorphous sentiment, like a lot mm-hmm. of modern music is. Mm-hmm. country included um but no i'm i'm always I'm, I'm always like intrigued and astounded by how uh, i mean johnny specifically how much you could say with how little and how precise and clean the language was and it still gets across like very very complicated feelings and emotions and and stuff like that so i i don't Again, I don't know if I would say that's like a, a very conscious effort on my part, but it's something I, I definitely think about within within the context of country music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There is a certain economy economy that is uh, pretty impressive. Um, yeah. And, and, and again, not, not that he even wrote all of them. He wrote a lot of uh, he, I think he wrote a fair amount, fair number of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's certainly and then, he, you know, he got it, his ability to do that, I think, was sort of recognized. He had that whole relationship with Bob Dylan. That they were part of a mutual admiration society between the two of them, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. And and Bob Dylan, whether you like it or not, I mean, they gave him a Nobel Prize in literature, right? It's pretty. Uh, somebody, you know, that's that's as sort of highfalutin as you can get, right? And 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 Bob Dylan certainly thought Johnny Cash was in his same league, so. That's, that's all pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing also I got thinking about too is like, you know, this is our darkness. So we got to talk about dark stuff sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I got thinking, what do you think about, and I'm interested in Kevin's take on this too. Um, did the, so, you know, we talked in depth about the fact that Johnny Cash had a serious drug problem uh, with amphetamines. Is there a drug problem that isn't a serious? Well, yeah, if you can't, yeah, if you can't get them, that's not that serious, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I get wondering, 
you know, and this is gets into like complicated moral territory in a way, but I think it's a reasonable question to ask. It's like, did drugs in the long run, did all of that actually make him better or was it a hindrance? Wasn't it? Wasn't an it? It was a lot of uppers, right? I a mean, lot it was of uppers. barbiturates and things. I mean, I think for him that was the tour life, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it. Yeah, jail. As I understand it, um, he started taking a lot of uppers and amphetamines because he was touring so much and he was keeping late hours and stuff. And then he was using mm-hmm. barbiturates to come back down. So he was just right. uh-huh. going back and forth between them to try and modulate as best he could. And then it turned into a a problem rather than yeah uh, solution super towards. addictive and and they weren't even telling you that they were super addictive then and it's just like a doctor gave them to him so he's like oh right. okay i'll take those yeah yeah but that's a cycle that that loop to loop you know because you're coming down off meth and mm-hmm. you know you need something to sleep and you're sleeping on a bus mm-hmm. you probably hate yourself too you're not yeah. living your best life but right. you're this incredibly deep soul one of the deepest souls that's ever lived mm-hmm. uh you, you know you're you're you know a musical genius super talented you've got this troubled relationship with god i mean there's a lot mm-hmm. going on in old dooder's head <laughs> yeah yeah for real. uh yeah i i i can't say you know if you ask me i can't say you know you don't think of him his drug use in the same way that you would maybe think about uh, again i'm going to come back to the beatles yeah. Right. Oh, the Beatles drop acid and suddenly we get revolver and uh and pepper and they right. write about it ex- explicitly. Um mm-hmm. you know, I, it's it's tricky. It's like how do you how do you parse uh drug use from from the person long mm-hmm. long periods um you know. And you can't yeah. AB test it really. You can't see him without it, you know, sure. and 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 I because what I got thinking, what, what really made me think about this was like how powerful those last uh, American recordings albums were. And you're like, would he have been able to would they have been as good if he wasn't so beat up by life under mostly under his own, you know, own doing? Would they have been as good as they were if he his story had been like like if it had all just been all good from day one? Uh, it's like, hey, we're making a bunch of money. Hey, my relationships are great. Hey, I'm super, you know. And like then when the '90s come and he's 60, is he able to crank those albums out and they sound that fucking good? I don't know. I don't know. It's not a not a recommendation we, for we really got to do anything. We really got to. Well, yeah, we're in dangerous ground here, Brad. Yeah. We, you know, you don't want people to think that you have to abuse yourself to right but this is and this gets into the real uh kind of core of what drug abuse is right is it is it a moral failing is it a is it a disease is it right. a, a bit of both it's very very complicated stuff what i what we really need to be asking is what drugs were rick uh, was rick rubin on <laughs> i think rick rubin probably takes a toke now and then or he did yeah, it one yeah maybe he doesn't sure I, don't know. I think rick rubin is on rick rubin he's on another yeah. <laughs> on, on another level i think i think it might be even harder to say in cash's case because his again as i understand it his his heavy drug use started relatively early in his career which is i mean he he went zero to 100 pretty quickly yeah. as far as um stardom mm-hmm. so it, it's like he was he was still developing his sound while he was getting heavy in the trenches of amphetamine so right it's hard to say but uh, i don't know yeah i i i, I want to hope that like he would he would have still been great either way maybe there would have lacked some like additional edge or something because right. i mean when you listen to hurt like you know it you know it's yeah you believe it you believe right. that he that he's had that pain yeah right yeah so i don't yeah. know well, i mm. i think he still would have been great and mm. great but different yeah certainly certainly would have been different yeah it just you get i get kind of curious about these sorts of things again not as a recommendation but you know part of what our show is we're trying to figure out what the hell creativity even is so in a way i mean it's sort of our 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 uh, Maybe our tertiary, you know, our, our tertiary thesis here or question. So, what is creativity anyway? Um, and you know, there are ways to certainly going to be ways to Im- 
you know, enhance it or, or decrease it, you know, you think, okay, well, what if he hadn't been on speed and instead he had, uh, I mean, he's a pretty good guitar player, but what if he had just sort of obsessed about the technicalities of it and become like a, you know, you don't know what he could have been, right? Incredibly smart guy, super talented. Um, he could have become like Jeff Beck or something. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very different kind of artist, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So who are you were starting to mention some modern people. So you said Jason Isbell. What, what I guess I'm trying to get out of you is give me some new people to listen to. I listen to a few new guys, but are there other people I'm missing? Um, like Kevin mentioned, I would I would include Coulter Wall, who mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure writes all of his stuff, mm-hmm. um, some of which I have on vinyl. It's it's great. It's right. uh, it's definitely very, very Western and I'm pretty sure he spends when he's not touring, he spends his time working on a ranch. So really, I, I, he might be a true blue cowboy musician. Right. Um, from Saskatchewan. Great. I saw him cool. in Manhattan, which was <laughs> uh, a <laughs> very high, high contrast event. My, yeah, my ex-girlfriend out there. there, my ex-girlfriend out there was big into country, big into outlaw country. Hmm. And she got me turned on the, Coulter Wall. So I'm having flashbacks to standing there uh, in the middle of New York City watching this guy (laughs) sing this very soulful (laughs) country music. Yeah. Interesting. I would also throw uh, Zach Bryan in there, who's probably a little more uh, mainstream sounding. Mm -hmm. But again, I I think he writes the vast majority, if not all of his stuff. And it's really, really soulful and really well written, especially for a guy, a pretty young guy. I'm pretty sure he's younger than me. I think he's yeah. like 25 or 26. Wow. Okay. He's got a really great sound. Um, and then there's some, um, you know, a fair bit of people who went largely unnoticed from like the late eighties into the probably the late nineties, like uh, Steve Earle. Most mm. people don't know about, but he writes phenomenal country music. Okay. Yeah. I know him from yeah, the wire, uh, but I've never really listened to him. To he's be well loved. Wait, he's in the wire. Isn't he? I'll, I'll look it up in the back. On the TV show, I'm pretty sure he is. I have no idea. Yeah, I think he's in the wire. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, I do. Need, I should check out Steve Earle for sure. I know. Yeah, you're you're right, Kevin. He, I know that he is very well regarded, very well loved. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, apparently okay. he was in the wire. I did not yeah. know that. Hey, yeah, he learning was, learning stuff. I think uh, I think uh, he yeah. was. Um. What's his name? The the. The junkie, the like real hardcore strung out junkie character, Steve played his sponsor, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. I see him. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. People love Steve Roll. That that name comes up. It comes up a lot once you start getting into into this stuff for sure. Yeah, for sure. This is one of those things like we really if we do any one thing on this episode of the pod, we should try to maybe convert at least one person who's like, I don't you know, what music do you like? Everything but country except Johnny Cash. Like that guy's out there. That that person is still out there right now. And come on, we're reaching out to you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we want to we want to. Yeah, we want a country country music bill somebody out there a little bit. Um, though I'm coming from a position where, you know, my familiarity with it is is not super deep. Um, but it goes beyond Johnny Cash, but it's not a whole lot deeper than that. I'm really interested in the fact that like these categories are kind of um flawed anyway. I mean, I, I really think there's there's they're all influencing each other, right? So country music is taken from the blues and 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 rock and roll is taken from the blues and blues is taken from rock and roll and country. They're all sort of, the, the boundaries between these things are super porous. I mean, they're all, I think if you wanted to be a musicology kind of nerd about it, you might even be able to say these are all just folk, strains of folk music, really. We, we kind of start to think of folk music as a very specific kind of like coffee shop sort of singer, songwriter, scenario but really it means sort of the music created by the folk right um and that oliver anthony certainly strikes me as that it's just like a dude out in the woods playing the guitar song he wrote singing the blues um and recording it for tiktok yeah well hey man it's (laughs) a modern era that's i think that's again that's that high contrast and i'm not throwing shade there i mean look what what are we doing we're making a podcast this is gonna go on yeah Yeah, Uh, of course course, that's the game that's the game he has to play in 
it's 2023. Yeah, what do you Very interesting, do? tricky little situation. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he, I mean, he even sort of talks about that in the song, you know, an old soul in the new world. What are you going to do? Yeah, right. he's going to, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Interesting times. <laughs> you know, you, getting this is something. Hang on, Brett. This is something that I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned already. But for me, the uh, and I have a. I'm sure I'm the only person in the world who has a special relationship to the song "Hurt." Right? Yeah. Okay. Right, so right. <laughs> I was growing up in North Dakota. Uh, my great aunt and great uncle helped raise me, and they they we unironically listened to polka, love us some polka. Good, good Americaners. And I, I assume out in North Dakota still to this day, you can flip onto an AM station and hear polka 24 seven. It's a real big deal. Uh, and we listened to a lot of country and we listened to a lot of Johnny Cash. Now getting into the nineties, I did not continue to listen to polka and I did not continue to listen to, to country music. I got really, really into Bands like Nine Inch Nails, for example. Yeah. Big fan. Had all mm-hmm. the discs. Had, uh, how to say this, had bootlegs. I would mm-hmm. order $40 bootleg CDs of remixes. I was that kid for Nine Inch Nails. So when when Hurt happened, it was like too, truly, and, and uh, two worlds colliding for me. Yeah. It was a surreal experience. And I know, I, again, you know, I'm not alone in that. Um. Has anybody, JL, has anybody had a moment like that in music? Has anything else like that ever happened? That moment where Cash picked up that that songbook, I can't think of one. It was a moment. None come to mind, I don't think. No, that was that was that was something else, something special for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting to me too because. It reminds me of a, another thing that Rick Rubin did that also remember, do you remember when he did Aerosmith and run DMC together? Um, uh, they did a walk this way. Yeah, I remember that. Right. Mm-hmm. And musically, I don't personally care to listen to that now. Um, but I do remember being pretty young when that came out and I still didn't even have categories of what these music music i mean that was of an age where i'm like a, literally a, a child and that coming on and just being mystified by it sort of like well, who are these like black dudes in the black leather and then who is this like steven tyler i wasn't even sure if he was a dude or not like you know what i mean it's just a very like and i it was like um it was like i felt worlds colliding but i didn't even know what the worlds were it was a very strange experience and then it, Rick Rubin is doing something kind of similar. I mean, he doesn't have the performers together, but he certainly is like trying to force these worlds to to meet up with each other, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I bet he's I bet he's if you look back through his catalog, he's probably done that a few other times and, and they haven't been quite as notable. But yeah, yeah just this is an interesting period in time, too, now that I'm thinking more about it. You know what movie I just threw on recently was Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And I don't know right. if y'all recall when that came out. The album was bigger than the movie. Yeah. The CD yeah. was bigger than the movie. Yeah. And Cash recorded Hurt in 2002. Oh, Brother came out in 2000. Okay. So so you've got this project that the Coens were, uh, and, and what's it? Is it T-Bone Burnett? Yeah. There was a project going on to kind of reclaim this American folk music tradition. And I, I, unfortunately, I think it led to things like Mumford and Sons and kind of NPR people taking over a little bit, like the downstream consequences of that were not great in a lot of cases, but that stuff like the Oh Brother soundtrack, that's very pure. That's very earnest. Oh, I, I still throw that on from time to time for sure. Yeah. Not, not a lick of irony in that at all. It's mm-hmm. it's earnest. It's straight ahead. It's maybe got a little bit of humor, but I wouldn't say it's ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then of course, Cash a few years later does this hurt thing. So they're just what an interesting time, right on the turn in American culture. You know, the internet's happening. Maybe there's some nostalgia for the past, and then of course, right in the middle of it, boom, two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. We all know what happened during that. You're just a JL. Do you remember that time very well? Do you, what was your kind of were you picking up on a lot of this stuff or where were you at that time uh with respect to like 
the music kind of crossover and like full coming into the zeitgeist. Uh, Oh, one, I was in fifth grade. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, from, from the first time I saw a brother where I thought I've loved, I've loved the movie. Uh, yeah. Just mostly for the dialogue, like most Coen Brothers movies for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. Probably because I wasn't old enough to kind of recognize mm. that, like, this was a bit of a moment, like you said. It's, mm. it's coming in like people who would absolutely not otherwise listen to this music are like, this is this is enjoyable. I like this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was a bit young for that. I think mm. that's fair. I think it does make me wonder if there's something kind of similar happening now, actually, with this Oliver Anthony thing. And it literally is a pretty it's kind of a moment culturally. And I know that people are listening to like you're getting people like Tyler Childers on NPR for I know some people love the guy. Some people don't. But still on, you know, more sort of being mainstreamed, whereas for the most part, country music has always operated uh, I think a lot of people's perception is it sort of operates as its own entire music ecology, sort of separate from everything else. It doesn't that's, really, but I that's feel like unfortunate, that's though, and that's a psyop mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. I mean, they talk yeah. about musicologists talk about that. The two Americas you have the Beatles, you had the Beatles America, rock and roll yeah. America, and then you had Johnny Cash America, and right. that's really what the Rubin business kind of signified was the, the you know the merging of those two things and saying these are not we're not separate. Right. It's all one. It's all of a part. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what the what the answer is there. But that is strange that 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 should happen to country music because it is a uniquely American mm-hmm. uh, style and genre. We we should be constantly uh, riveted by new country acts doing new things. But it just doesn't get into uh, the mainstream. Why do you think that is, JL? What do you think is <laughs> going on there? Why are they psyoping us about this? Uh, well, I have no shortage of opinions, but to buttress your point you made a few minutes ago, I um, I think it's definitely within the last, I'll say 15 years, but definitely at least the last eight to 10 is, it, you see this like uh, kind of amalgamation trying to make like an every man's kind of music has really serviced like a, a very large portion of what you'll hear maybe if not all of what you'll hear on a country music station has been created within the last five years. It's, it's all very recent stuff. It sounds extremely generic. Most of the time you can't tell if it's pop or if it's country, there's Mm -hmm. uh, like rap melodies, there's drum beats. There's it's, Mm -hmm. it's as as far as like the, it's like pop country kind of like stadium country. I call it is, is, is very much, like uh, like it's it's accelerating in the way that it's it's becoming kind of one and the same with pop to the mm-hmm. point where you're going to go on a a pop station and you're going to hear uh let's say Luke Combs who's pretty big in country music right now or go mm-hmm. on a country country station and hear someone who also does rap in some kind of strange way it's right it's huh. it's odd it's it's uh. definitely becoming more blobby and less less distinct kind of musical styles. Yeah. Don't try that in a small town. <laughs> Don't <laughs> we haven't we haven't talked about that yet. What do we think about that? Not to get too political, but that was another moment recently where country yeah. music kind of was got into the zeitgeist. But that was kind of a pop country piece, wasn't it? I never I don't know. I don't know how poppy I would call it. It was pretty on brand for Jason Aldean as far as his usual sound, which is Again, pretty middle of the road as far as modern mm-hmm. country goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was hilarious at the Outlash, and it seems all extremely contrived to me because it's. Yeah. I mean, I read the lyrics. It's pretty, pretty reasonable, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all I like, yeah. by the average person's standards, but I don't. Yeah. It just lends lends the, it, credence. I, Go ahead. No, I'm sorry, Jay. I just think it, I think it's the video that principally got people. <laughs> I'm from a small town. Yeah, uh, I just I think about America. You're driving around like I can drive to Wisconsin. I can drive to kind of outstate Minnesota here, and every every town you drive up to, yeah, I could even drive up to White Bear Lake here. And the first thing you see when you drive in is is one of those signs, "Welcome to White Bear Lake, Go Bears." Yeah. Uh, and you see the Rotary, the Freemasons, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the K is it the KCs? Mm-hmm. You, 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 all uh-huh. of that, all of those little uh, the talk the talkville, the little platoons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you know, depends on where you are. You might see Catholic Church. Typically not, but okay. All right, you might see. Yeah, the the, the Knights of Columbus. Okay, we're all here. We're all mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Don't try any shit. Right. <laughs> is what I, I never I never thought oh, of it that way. Oh yeah. That's what right. I see when I pass by those signs. And then of course we've got neighborhood watch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you have maybe you have some of those in, in a big town too. But yeah, that's a that's a real sentiment. It's like, hey, we're tough guys too. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the punchline of that is, but uh hmm. very interesting. So we had kind of two events recently in in mainstream kind of in the zeitgeist, at least on the bird website where country music was the main character for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting. And it hmm. makes me think too, we're um JL, we were talking about this sort of uh the blurriness into pop music and there being a certain contrivance to this. I don't have strong feelings about Taylor Swift, but it she's sort of like emblematic because she started out as a country musician, right? ostensibly um yeah and that has become that has become like pure pure 100 pop i think i don't even i i'm assuming i haven't even i honestly heard a taylor swift song recently i probably heard it not we're gonna get totally mobbed by the swifties here you gotta be (laughs) careful we we love you swifties i texted by my sister one of them fuck it are Are you you? okay yes yeah okay i love some taylor swift okay okay swift swift pill me jl what where should i, I start well i'm gonna be able to do that um i just think it's i mean i think her music is what pop music ought to be which is catchy relatable mm. and really well written and i think mm. she does all of those extremely well okay i'm compared you know relativistically to her peers in the pop music scene right the fact that she still writes a lot of her own stuff whereas i think probably 95 percent of people in pop do not right it, I mean, that alone, I think, makes her stand out in my mind. But I just, yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to say I don't listen yeah. to any other pop music, really. Yeah, but okay. Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Like I said at the beginning, I was like, I don't really have any opinions on it. And and it, but it is certainly a phenomena. Like people clearly are losing, you know, are, are, are going crazy for her. So there has to be some talent there. I texted my sister recently of uh, the Gilda Radner episode fame, uh, mm-hmm. and she she didn't get back to me right away, which fine. And when she finally did, she was like, "Sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't reply. I was at the Taylor Swift show." Ah. <laughs> and, like, ah. and then I was like, "Oh yeah, she's an OG Swifty." And my sister's been oh, really? on board with this stuff for a long time. You know, the only the only pop music I've been listening to this summer on repeat is uh, the the excerpt of Planet of the Bass. And I've been I've been waiting for the full song to come out. Have you not? Have you not no. heard Planet of the Bass, Brad? No, no. No. This? this is this is this thing that went viral. The comedian he did the little uh, he released like a fifty second music video. He's done some variations of it hmm. where he. Uh, oh my god! Really? No, my no, timeline no. is just full of this, and you're not seeing any of it. No, no he's the no. he he uh, he's a comedian, and he did a song, and in the the headline or the title on the card, you know, when it shows up on TikTok, says. Every European dance hit from the nineties. Oh, and I did sort of see this. Yes, yeah, okay. it's a banger. Yeah. I can't wait for okay. the full song to come out. He's like, he's like doing this, and then he yeah. raps in the middle. That's been making me very happy. That's that's <laughs> my it. summer bop all summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, good stuff. JL, can okay. I? Because I'm not familiar with. I want to check out Cowboy Church. I know that Brad was was living in it, um, <laughs> and uh, so. Sell me on that. Tell me about yeah. your tell me about your book. Um, it centers on a a disabled man. Uh, I wasn't explicit about his age, but he is uh, he's heavy on some pills, and he is um, estranged from his family, who are uh, cattle ranchers, and he owns a a bar called the Cowboy Church. Mm. Spoiler, um, mm. it's not an actual church. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me. And some misfortune, some malicious misfortune befalls his his family, not him directly, but his family. And he has like this kind of inner turmoil about what he's supposed to do about it, given the fact that he doesn't really like his family, he doesn't get along with them. He, by and large, doesn't communicate or interact with them. Sorry, my dogs are being gremlins. Um, 
And so he has this back and forth with himself about whether he should intervene in some kind of way as best he can. I mean, he has rheumatoid arthritis, so standing for him is difficult, much less avenging his old and sickly father. And he eventually comes to the decision that he, you know, he has to do something because family is family, even if you hate them. Mm. And the, uh, I guess I'll, I won't reveal the, uh, no, the, don't give, don't give any more than that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And do, right. do check this out. People got to support our independent writers. We're holding, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, yeah. just like in, we're talking about music, everything gets glommed together and sort of like processed and weird and, and, uh, uh, what, what are those things when they show a movie to a group of people focus tests? Yeah, they do. yeah, 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 focus, focus group. group. Everything is sort of committed and focus grouped to death. Um, but jail is one of these people right, and then even after the fact, anything. what what gets through to your feed is is heavily manipulated by the algo. So yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a a critiker, a cry in the dark for Indeed. independent media of all kinds. So yeah, do check that out. You know, I was doing a little bit of reading here on the Wikipedia in the background, and one thing I'm not sure we we covered in the core episode, there's an entire section in Johnny Cash's bio on Wikipedia about his activism for Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I was yeah, I not mean, the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Well, the bigger the the most public highlight was his album, uh, something of tears. Um Bitter Tears, right. Ballad of the American yeah. Indian. Yeah. 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 He was adopted into the Seneca, uh, Seneca uh, a, tr- a clan of the Seneca tribe. Huh. That's pretty cool. So yeah. 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 Very interesting. I did not, I was not familiar with that. That's another thing about him is he was he was was he always political? Probably not always, but at a, at a certain point in his life, he became, I mean, Folsom that feels extremely political. Any thoughts on that, JL? I don't think that was um, like that. <clears throat> I didn't get that impression that that was always something he had in mind since the beginning of his career. I, I suspect that that came out because he was, he had some notoriety and traction and a little more insulation to get experimental with it and say some stuff that you maybe couldn't have, bef- you know, pre stardom explosion that would have maybe gotten him, you know, whatever the 1960s equivalent of being canceled was not yeah. getting a record deal, I guess. So maybe he just, he found, you know, he was comfortable enough, I guess, or, or just felt like he could pull it off, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, later into his career i guess that was really like the middle of his career but yeah 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 there's there's a certain thing where our politics our sense of when we say something being political it's so kind of warped i mean johnny cash i think was probably doing things that we would now consider political but it's not like he was doing it for his side or something i think Mm. he saw things that he felt a certain way about and responded to them according to what he thought was the right thing to do you know which maybe that sounds naive but but you know what i mean like i think in part he did the prison thing you know hey he probably thought it was a good record but i think there was definitely a part of him who was like well nobody does anything for these guys why don't i do something for these guys um which you know now i don't even yeah we are our tend our political lens tends to be so much of like did he do it for the democrats or the republicans kind of thing you know what i mean (laughs) where it's like yeah yeah like but there's a so you know i guess it kind of depends on what you how you define politics i mean his whole wearing black was purportedly about holding up a sign for the the downtrodden right and the people who weren't you know uh the, the the people who are on the outside so it's definitely yeah, I, I, I think mm-hmm. you could definitely call it social activism mm-hmm. um and there was probably a little bit more uh distinct difference between social activism and strictly political maneuvering in that era today mm-hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't say there's hardly any difference for yeah. whatever reason we don't have to get into that but right. i think i think it would suffice to call it just social activism sure right yeah no that's that's well put i think that's i think that's probably true it's not so much caught up in the in the various maneuverings and strategies it's just actually trying to do something (laughs) yeah interesting he was a larger i mean this is something we haven't really i mean this this goes without saying but he what i mean his life he's larger than life 
I mean, the dude yeah. was just, it's just monolithic. You just look back at his life and it's just an incredible story. And obviously the biopic is probably one of the better biopics that's ever been made, but even that doesn't capture the the whole of, of this life. Um, no. Yeah. I saw you and nodding there, Jail. What do you think about the movie? Yeah. I haven't seen it in quite a while. I've, and I've only seen it a handful of times, but the last one has been a while ago. I need to rewatch it. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I like Joaquin Phoenix and, mm -hmm. and Reese, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the George and Tammy series too is pretty good on, on Showtime. That. Yeah. That's worth a, a quick binge. If you haven't seen that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we're officially declaring, you know, country music is being uh, released from the, the ghetto. On this episode, yeah, that's right. And right. <laughs> Taylor, you're saying we have you're saying we have to take take over Nashville on your yes. on your Twitter. Okay, what do you mean by this? <laughs> I I mean it's kind of tongue in cheek, uh, kind of isn't, but just the whatever kind of subterfuge that has brought forth extremely generic, very milk toast country music that you know is is the only thing that's played on on country radio and the only thing that makes waves or gets noticed for whatever reason, it's all just extremely generic, extremely produced, frequently overproduced. And has, in my opinion, too much influence from, from other genres like rap or mm -hmm. pop. And I just, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like we need to doze it and start over. <laughs> so it, that, I, I'm, I'm down for that. Like, all right. Cool. Uh, do do you think the the nature of like let's say there is a renaissance right and we get closer to um, how you might want to see it and how yeah, probably say a, lot a, of people a revival say it. in this a revival. case not a, re <laughs> not a renaissance yeah, not yeah. A renaissance, <laughs> that's true well th this kind of goes to my point is like does that mean a something like going back to its roots and stripping it back or does it mean like uh, getting more experimental with it and some i don't know what that would mean exactly but like is it about it evolving and continuing to evolve into something or is it about going back i guess or some com combination maybe i'd say probably a a combination um and i mean i i understand at the end of the day it's probably motive you know it's a probably uh profit driven i mean if there's there's you know a hundred thousand diehard country fans that are listening to Merle Haggard every day like me. That's great. That that'll make some money. But if we, you know, water it down a, he a little here, water it down a little there, take out some spice, take out the drug talks and and whoring and and cocaine yeah. and stuff, and right. suddenly ten times as many people want to listen and buy that album. Well, it, financially that makes perfect sense. But right. as a result, as a, a downstream consequence, then it becomes less less country and obviously it you know it'd be, it'd be difficult to to really nail down a definition for country but what's on the radio right now is a very 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 far cry from what was on 20 years ago and i would say more there's been a greater change in country music than any other genre in the last 20 years by a really? very wide margin very Absolutely. interesting yeah yeah Gail, have you ever made like a like a playlist like a spotify playlist i'm not trying to put you on the on the spot but I'd listen to a JL Mackey Cowboy Church Spotify playlist. That's like an that. idea. Um, I mean, not not with the express intention of like getting converts, right? But <laughs> uh, because I think it it's just under my uh, my 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 government name. Right, but I I, I could <laughs> if you wanted me to, just, and I yeah. could send it to you. Sure. No, sure. I mean if you That'd if you great. care if you care to, and uh, you want to do it in a way that's anonymous, uh, I I would definitely add that to the show notes for sure. Optional. Yeah. I don't want to give you yeah. homework, but yeah. I would I would dig that, and I think we might get some <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll do that. Oh, rock and roll. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I know we're going to uh, we're going to go for a few minutes more here and then we're going to get uh we're going to come back and talk more Johnny Cash on the After Dark. Brad has some very specific things. Sounds mm -hmm. like he got held up in Jamaica. Yeah, robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. Robbed at gunpoint. Okay, that's going to be fun. This is a little self-serving, but I the, one of the reasons I got to thinking about the 
uh, Spotify playlist is that I've started work with a group of collaborators on a musical about Marvin Hemeyer, the Killdozer guy. It's going to be Ooh. called Killdozer, the musical. Hmm. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I already have songs. I already have ideas in mind. And, and if you want to hear that playlist, which I made, oh. uh, which I think speaks to the conversation we've just had, go to the show notes for this episode at <laughs> artofdarkpod.com. I am adding Killdozer the Musical, an unreasonable playlist. <laughs> to to the show notes. I've got I've got Johnny Cash on here. Okay. I've got Wumpscut. I've got Killer Mike. I got John Philip Souza. I have the Highwaymen. I've got KMFDM, Health, LP, Oliver, Pantera, David Bowie. You're nice. not going to want to okay. miss this playlist. Wow. I Nobody... I kind of it's the it's a, I'm very proud of this playlist. <laughs> that sounds good. Nobody listens to Souza anymore. You know? Yeah. We need to return to Souza. I that could probably heal the nation. <laughs> I, I, I would first have to arrive there because I don't know who or what that is. Uh, he's Sousa. the inventor of the. He plays well. Yeah, he plays well, marching he, he, music basically. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like the stars and stripes forever. Yeah, it's basically. I don't think that's it. Yeah, but that's, could be Sousa. Oompy marching music. Yeah, he yeah. he invented like a smaller tuba called the sousaphone. It's just like a tuba, oh, okay. but it's I like a little, it's a little okay. smaller. That's named mm -hmm. after him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got that's, it. Some, yep. that's some real. <laughs> Definitely give this uh, playlist a try. Yeah. We'll check it out. It's, we'll it's check a it very out exciting sure. uh, playlist. All right. Uh, JL, thanks for coming on. Yeah, your pleasure. Uh, you've got an open door policy on, on Art of Darkness. Uh, you want to yeah. give people your kind of final plugs and then we'll, we'll close this down and come back on After Dark? Uh, sure. Buy my novella if you want. The Cowboy Church. Uh, edited by the fantastic Mr. Brad Kelly. So you know <laughs> it's, it's going to be good. Uh, that's on Amazon only, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then the double dealer is at DBL dealer, one word on Twitter. And I'm still working on a website for that. Yeah. It takes a while. For sure. Let me ask one more question about the double dealer. So like what you may have already answered this, but re refresh me. What is going to be, what kind of writing is going to be in this? What, what's your angle? What do you, yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't, we didn't want to start out with too narrow of a focus. So I didn't want to, I would have loved to focus on Southern fiction or Southern Fox, Southern Gothic fiction, but I, frankly, I don't think there's enough people writing that. Um, it's me and like three other people. Mm -hmm. So uh, we just started out with, uh, the only the only guardrails we put on to start with was a uh, fiction that's apolitical because I'm tired of reading libs are bad stories that are very thinly veiled like political Wait. manifestos. Whoa, yeah. whoa! You're telling me libs are bad? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm hearing it now for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a place in time for that, and certainly a lot of people eat that up. I mean. Passage mm. Press sells out, and that's great for them. But I'm just personally tired of reading that. Yeah. If a if a story wants to be good first and then have political undertones, that's gravy for me. But mm -hmm. I don't. I need more. I need more meat on the bone. I get it. I get it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe libs. Maybe libs are good sometimes. Maybe <laughs> maybe they're not all wrong all the time. Hmm. Yeah, it's a real pickle. Um, the the political divisiveness that we have to endure right now, you know, it's not the most extreme that it's ever been. I think people are quick to say that, but it is pretty pretty extreme, and it has a it has a way of cleaving people in the wrong way, separating yeah. people, tearing people apart, making people paranoid. Americans yeah. love paranoia. That's, that's one of our that's one of our very favorite things. That's one of yeah. our key modes. And so sort of the the whole internet and the internet exacerbates that. Any any last words for the the main episode here, Brad? I'm really excited for this playlist, by the way, uh, JL. You there's no rush, take your time, but I will throw it into the show notes. Yeah. We okay. will make some uh some noise about that on social media and in the telegram, t.me slash art of dark pod. You yeah. want to get in there. We've got a really fun group of people in the chat. And uh, shout out to the the Telegram folks. Brad. No, I don't I don't have anything else except thank you to J.L. Mackey. People buy his book. Look out for the double dealer. I have a feeling that he's the I know he's pulled together a very interesting group of people. And I think what comes out of that is going to be really cool. The, the literary magazine world, um, just like 
just like Nashville, maybe um, needs a little bit of rehabilitation. And I think this is uh, I think this is a step in the right direction. There's other people doing cool Stop. stuff out there. Don't get me wrong, but we got to keep moving. Stop this thing. saying rehabilitation. Yeah. Stop saying renaissance. <laughs> Start saying revival. OK, you got it. All right. Amen. Amen.